0: Well, good morning. I didn't expect to be standing here uh, yesterday morning. When I got the call uh, yesterday afternoon, I was only thankful that I wasn't a a Liverpool supporter. Um, It would have been tougher if if United was playing in the the cup final. But anyway, you might want to reserve your gratitude until after you've heard the sermon. Um, I've got two short scripture readings. The first one um in the old testament from the book of isaiah um, the prophecy of isaiah and from chapter 61 just going to read the first three verses together isaiah 61 uh, verse 1 the spirit of the lord is upon me because the lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Or a better translation, the opening of the eyes to those who are blind. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And then the second reading is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. Um, Some 700 or so years after Isaiah 61 was written. uh, Here in Luke chapter 4 verse 16 we find Jesus. And he's in Nazareth in his hometown. And uh, let's pick up from verse 16. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing amen let's just pray father we thank you that jesus is the fulfillment of this scripture we pray as we consider your living word together that you would fill our vision with jesus we ask for your help we ask that you would meet with us and that you would Speak into our hearts and lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus Christ transforms lives. This is how Jesus described his mission in Luke chapter 4. He had come to transform people's lives. And he's still transforming lives today. In Aberdeen, in Scotland, across the UK, across the whole world, Jesus Christ. Every day, as people come to him in faith, he is transforming lives. Here's how the Bible describes the transformation that Jesus brings. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, writes this. If anyone... Is in Christ. He. She. Is a new creation. A new creature. The old has passed away. Behold the new has come. That person says the Bible becomes. A new creature. A completely new creation. Their life is completely transformed. By Jesus. And so today in a very simple way and hopefully very short from isaiah 61 i want to look at four ways that jesus transforms a person's life in luke chapter 4 jesus stood up in the synagogue in nazareth and he read from isaiah 61 and he announces his mission and it is a mission of transformation Reading from Isaiah uh, Isaiah 61, he is declaring that he is the fulfillment of that scripture. He is declaring that he is the Messiah. And from Isaiah 61, there are four different aspects of how Jesus transforms a person's life. and, And they're on the screen behind me. So aspect number one from verse one, we read in Isaiah 61, Jesus came. To bring good news to the poor. Now this is the spiritually poor. It's not the materially poor. Uh, To the spiritually bankrupt. Those who have no credit with God. And so here is point number one. That Jesus transforms the spiritually bankrupt. Um, Now I have to admit I've got an illustration here and I'm I'm rather embarrassed about this illustration because it must have been in the news when I uh, preached this sermon uh, a wee while ago but it's about Katie Price, um, the former glamour model, uh, the so-called celebrity TV star and uh, you can understand why I'm embarrassed and it's a good job my wife's not here um to, to hear me use this illustration but you don't need to tell her when when you see her what happens in hebron stays in hebron um but katie price uh i don't know how long ago it was but she was declared bankrupt now i, I don't read the tabloids i, I don't follow celebrity gossip I, I, i'm not a fan of that whole celebrity gossip culture But at one point, uh, Katie Price was reckoned to have amassed a fortune of over 40 million pounds. And all gone. Now whether she spent it all on plastic surgery or or whatever else, I don't know. But she had to appear in court. And she was declared bankrupt. She could not pay her debts. She had lost or wasted what wealth she once had. Had. Now, there is something far worse than standing before the court and being declared financially bankrupt. And it is to one day at the end of life, in the next life, to stand before God and to be declared spiritually bankrupt. Because we are all spiritually bankrupt before God. Because of our sin. It's one of the truths that we have learned in our our studies of Romans. It's the truth of Romans chapter three that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that there is none righteous. No one seeks God. The debt of our sin hangs over us and there is nothing that we can do to pay that debt or, or, or work to earn God's favor. We are all spiritually bankrupt. But Jesus brings good news. And what is this good news? Well, well, listen to what Isaiah writes in in verse 2 of chapter 61. Jesus had come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. What does that phrase mean? Well, Isaiah's readers... Those in Israel at that time would have understood the phrase because it related to what God called the year of Jubilee. And you can read about that back in the Old Testament in in Leviticus in chapter 25. Now, we should all be familiar with uh, the concept of of Jubilee, especially um, this coming week. It's a time of celebration, it's a, a special anniversary. 25 years is a silver jubilee, 50 years golden jubilee, 60 years diamond jubilee, and next weekend we will all celebrate the Queen's platinum jubilee, 70 years since she ascended the throne. Now I hope you can all come to the jubilee street party on, on Friday and also to the, uh, the, the, the service on Sunday that the choir will sing at. But if you go back to the book of Leviticus, when God introduced a year of jubilee, which was a golden jubilee, every 50 years throughout the land of Israel, do you know what happened? All debts were cancelled. Imagine that. Imagine waking up this morning and going to your banking app on your phone and your mortgage It's gone. It's just wiped out. Imagine that feeling. And the car loan that you had. It's gone too. And the credit card bill that you'd amassed. It's all wiped out. People who were bankrupt had all their debts cancelled. They were relieved of the burden of their debt. How would that make you feel? To have that weight lifted off of you. What else happened in the year of Jubilee? All slaves were set free. All captives were released. It was a year of liberty throughout the whole land of Israel. It was the year of the Lord's favor. That's the meaning behind the phrase. People's lives were transformed. And this is how Jesus describes His mission. He had come to transform the lives. Of the spiritually bankrupt. To cancel our debts. Not our financial debts. But the debt of our sin. That hangs over us. And the price that he paid. To cancel our debt. He took our debt upon himself. All our sins he took upon himself and he paid the price, the Bible says, with his own blood. Through his sacrifice, by giving his life, God punished him for my sins. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And for those who trust Jesus Christ, God cancels their debt of sin. Let me just read a verse from Colossians chapter 2 that just captures this thought. This is what Paul writes in verse 13 of of Colossians 2. He's writing to Christians and he says, And you who were dead in your trespasses, the sin of trespassing, breaking God's law, you were dead in your trespasses. God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross but you know these verses must have been in the heart Of Horatio Spafford when he wrote that wonderful hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, written in such tragic circumstances. And do you remember the verse, My sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. O oh, my soul. Jesus transforms the spiritually bankrupt. He cancels the debt of their sin. Now the second aspect of, of transformation. Jesus came to bind up the broken hearted. He came to transform the lives of the broken hearted. Phil mentioned it in his His opening comments about the brokenness of our world. How heavy it lies upon us at times. We live in broken communities. Broken societies. Every day you pick up the newspaper. The news is filled with stories about just how broken our world is. Stories of greed stories of corruption, stories of addiction, stories of illness stories of murder stories of violence how devastating the news from Texas this week the town of Uvalde 19 children murdered in their classroom but this brokenness runs deep and sometimes we don't see it On the surface of people's lives. Because people try to hide it. And people try to cover it up. Or people try to deal with it. By turning to other things. And they turn to money. And they try to buy happiness. But they only become more miserable or they try to improve their social circle and their popularity or they turn to sex or or to alcohol or, or to drugs as a way of escape but it only returns even more acutely because beneath the veneer beneath the veneer of comfort and prosperity and the seeming happiness in many people's lives There is an inner brokenness. An inner emptiness. And if you scratch away at the surface, it begins to appear. Cities and towns full of broken hearts, broken families, broken marriages, broken promises, broken lives. Bob Dylan wrote a a song called Everything is Broken. captures this very thought. Broken bottles, broken plates. Broken switches, broken gates. Broken dishes, broken parts. Streets are filled with broken hearts. Everything is broken. Everything. Because of our sin. And even in this audience, there will be broken hearts. Empty lives. Perhaps no one else knows, just you. And God. Jesus Christ came to bind up the brokenhearted. He came to put His bandage on your heart, to heal the brokenness of your life, to bring you into a loving, a living relationship with God, to give you peace, to give you purpose to give you meaning to your life his mission was to transform the bankrupt to transform the broken hearted and thirdly he came to transform those who are in bondage those who are held captive in slavery to proclaim liberty to the captives you know, it's really just a picture of the controlling power of sin in our lives. We don't, we don't like to talk about sin. The Bible describes sin as a slave master. Controlling our minds. Controlling our desires. Controlling our lives. Keeping us captive. Keeping us from God. Jesus came to set us free. He said in John chapter eight, "If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed." Charles Wesley, on the first anniversary of his conversion to Christ, he wrote that great hymn "O for a Thousand Tongues," and in the fourth verse, he wrote these words: "He breaks the power of cancelled sin." He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. A couple of years back I visited a Christian, a Christian residential center to treat um, people suffering from addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction. It was on the south side of Glasgow. It was about 18 to 20 guys that would live there. And most of them had been in and out of prison. Um, most of their lives, you know, caught up in that cycle poverty, crime, drugs, addiction, incarceration, and, and so the cycle goes. Talk about broken lives. Talk about being in bondage. It was funny, actually. I remember when I visited, um, there was a lunch and You just picked a seat at the table. And I sat next to one of the counselors who used to come in and counsel the guys. And he turned to me and he said, how long have you been in here? And I said, "Uh, I'm actually just visiting. Uh, I'm not a resident. I must have looked pretty rough uh, that day. But, you know, you you, you heard the testimonies of some of these ex-prisoners. Former addicts. And they were now running the centre. And some of the guys that had been in there. They, they had come to faith. In Jesus Christ. And the transformation. He sets. The prisoner free. He heals the broken hearted. He cancels. The debt. Of the bankrupt. And finally he opens the eyes of the blind. You know, it was said about Jesus before he, uh, before he was born, before he lived on the earth, it was said that he would give light. He would give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And only God can open your eyes to see the beauty of Jesus Christ, the beauty of the Saviour only God can take you out of the darkness of death and sin and bring you into the light and life of trusting Jesus Christ only God can open your heart I mentioned a couple of weeks back uh, preaching on, on Romans 10 that uh, attending a, a Christian conference I met a man who was a former jihadi uh, A Muslim from Tunisia. And he was at one point in his life being trained to take lives. Being trained in the mountains of North Africa. In terrorism. Prepared to give his own life until someone gave him a Bible. And he read it for himself. And God opened his eyes. Opened his eyes to see Jesus Christ. Jesus transformed his life. Now, now he's one of the, uh, the church leaders in, in Tunisia. An amazing man. But this is the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can cancel the debt of your sin. Only Jesus can truly bind up your broken heart. Only Jesus can set you free from the bondage of sin. Only Jesus can open your blind eyes to see the truth and the light of his saving power. This is not empty, man-made religion. Your life will not be transformed by church attendance. Your life will not be transformed by trying to turn over a new leaf or simply by trying to live a better life. It is only by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ that you will be truly transformed. And it's the beginning of a process. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, again writing to Christians. He says we are all being transformed into the same image. That God is transforming each one of us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And how are you getting on with that? Are you growing more like Jesus as you live your Christian life? Or are you stagnating? Well, this is the mission of Jesus. He transforms lives. He transforms the bankrupt. He transforms the broken hearted. He transforms those who are in bondage to sin. And he transforms the blind. May God bless his word. Let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for your word today. And we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. We thank you for his mission of transformation. We thank you that he transforms lives by your grace, in your mercy, through his sacrifice on the cross, through the power of your Holy Spirit, living and dwelling in your people thank you that this transformation is real it's powerful it's ongoing may lives be transformed here today may you come and meet us where we are in the journey may you bring souls to faith in Jesus Christ and may you help each one of us just to surrender our lives to you Father we ask all this for your glory